What's up, everybody? Hey, hey. How are you? I'm I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing okay. Scott? Doing all right. Preparing for a busy weekend, but it's a good night. You do have a busy weekend ahead. Should I just start recording next time when I go outside <laughs> to get you guys? Because I think that'd be fun. Yeah. It's when Pick I'm up depressed. the ambient sounds. Yeah, the sounds of the city. 25 years ago today, Less Talk, More Rock was released oh, okay. by the band Propagandi, which is probably... We got a poster over we there. We got a framed poster of that one. We got a poster up there. The, they're the official band of uh, Yes, this podcast. Are they? I, I think so. Okay. I disagree. <laughs> they're definitely number one in your apartment, though. They definitely are. It's it's a condo. You sorry. Son of a bitch. <laughs> God damn it! Don't. If anyone hears that, I'm I was going to lose myself, but then I figured out that you get angry about it. <laughs> I'm going to lose real estate value, but. Let's talk more rock. A people's history of the world. Uh, the first time I ever heard this record was. Sean- Let's talk more rock. Might be a good name, name for change show. for yeah. this podcast. <laughs> it could be. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. I was going to say the first Maybe time just I a mission statement. <laughs> Guys, this is my podcast. Let me. <laughs> the first time I ever heard this record was Roach Brothers. Sean Noise gave me a copy and said I would like it. Sean Noise. That's a name I haven't heard in two decades. Yeah, and. I, wow. He was right. He also gave me a copy of The Strokes' first record. Uh, this Is It. Or Is This It? I don't know what it's called. This Is It, I think. Okay. No. So. This Is It. I think it's This Is It. This Is It? I think <laughs> Is This It. And we've had this argument before. Have we? On, this is like yes. a, a softball question. It's Is This It, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so Propagandi. We love him. I've seen him alive a handful of times. I've flown to see him. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure we're like doing a redux of the first podcast where... We just kind of looked around and we're like, we'll, we'll talk about that. And there's a propaganda <laughs> poster. But Argue about the strokes. And yet again, I'm right. It is. Is this it? Is this it? So the Ryan Adams did a record called This Is It. Or he did a song called This Is It. And uh, can't really talk about him. He's canceled. It's too bad. One of my favorites. Not good. Mm. Um, but yeah, we are here. Um, we're going to talk the Ramones debut. Yep. <laughs> and a little flick called The Rider. Who directed it? Chloe Zhao. I can't say it. Like, if it comes down to it and I have to say it, we could get canceled. She's going to be... Funny a- enough that you have that for my first, like, feature on this podcast. Oh, pronouncing things? Yes. <laughs> well, Scott, did you give material for her to pronounce? I mean, we just what you need to do one a week. And I All have, right. I oh, have, we only go... Well, I have number I know one this for this is. week. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, we're Every debut a new segment here on the show. It's called uh, Emily pronounces an actual sports person's name for the first time. I don't know why you have an, an actual. I wasn't consulted on this. I will say. Well, well you're gonna the hate actual it. because Emily has to know that these are real people. Oh, okay. We're not just making our say things. Yeah, like, I mean, we could have easily pronged you or something. Can I ask a question? Sure. Are these names that the two of you would know how to pronounce? Absolutely, especially. You told me what the first one was, but if I had to like bet money, I think you would. I, we would have said, "Hey, this is the first one, anyway." Maybe. And I'm also betting that you do know how to pronounce it correctly. I believe so. Okay. Seems right. unfair. Also, wait. So Pat, <laughs> Pat received some criticism where this this friend of his wanted to hear more of me on the podcast. So his solution was introducing this segment where it's humiliating me and also <laughs> possibly offending people. Um, Those two things were not related. We'll find out. <laughs> well, I mean, 
if all goes wrong, <laughs> you will alienate 75% of the listening <laughs> exactly. audience with this. Uh, but I did receive criticism from somebody that said they want to hear less of me. Hmm. They can tell that me and Scott have a relationship. That was the crit- I've We haven't talked about this on the But air. we're not married. <laughs> we aren't married, but they can tell we talk all the time and every day. And they, this person also said that they can tell that I'm very pleased with myself when I speak. <laughs> which, well, well, yes. Which is like, well, yeah. And then she's like, you're funny, but you're very impressed with yourself. <laughs> and I can't deny that. I mean... No, you certainly can't. It wouldn't be fair to myself to deny that. Um, But they want to hear more Emily. Mm. And I'm sure that your fans want to hear more Emily, too. I don't know. I don't know if they want to hear this (laughs) version of me where I get to try to pronounce people's names. This is the briefest of segments, okay? It's very brief. (laughs) It it, it might be so brief that it never occurs again. (laughs) All right. Most of our segments don't. Emily, here Mm -hmm. is your week one Sports person who you have to pronounce. You have five seconds to do it. God, really? <laughs> Starting now. Five, four. I'm going to go with Rusty Koontz. Congratulations. Ding, ding, ding. You, you need a right. bell. <laughs> Perfect, Emily. Spell it so that the people know what I was trying to pronounce. C-U- oh. Rus- Rusty Koontz is K-U-N-T-Z, and he is a first base coach for the Kansas City Royals. And so whenever you're watching a Royals game, if you turn on the TV, you can see Koontz just staring you in the face. Okay. Yeah, that's a fun thing. I mean, we'll, we'll try to keep this going in perpetuity. But so Emily fans out there, she's in the barrel. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to sit back for the rest of the episode. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you cannot. I mean, I, I legit, they were like, you got to let Emily talk more. And I, I was like, well, I mean, it's I mean, you do interrupt me to be fair. So. I know I do. <laughs> I know I do. Um, yeah, we're working on it. We're working on a compromise here. Um. <laughs> It's like so awkward now. Like, so Emily, do you want to talk about anything? <laughs> Next up on the agenda is a question that you you posted. I did. I posted this about an hour ago. Uh, Weezer. Did you know Weezer put out an album this year? Yes. Did, was that before our episode? Was not. Was not the the black album? That no, we... they put out another one. So oh. it, this was post our episode on Weezer. They put out an epi- uh, uh, a record called OK Human, which was very bad. I'm pretty sure we played some songs off of it. Did yeah, we? I thought we did. Okay. Well, they have a new record coming out called Van Weezer. I did hear about this. It's all Van Halen stuff? No, no? it's just in the style. I'm going to play a little. Did it come out? Um, no, but they did, they did release a couple like singles. I'm sure they'll get lots of radio play. Yeah, exactly. All right, hold on one second. This might not be what I was looking for. It sounds very Weezer and not very Van Halen. Ah, hold on. Uh, We can... Bags full? They don't score on that? They did, no. The pitcher cut the throw for some reason. Uh, A lot of scuttlebutt about how uh, Bogart has no arm right now. Uh-oh. But he's, he had a home run today. He's crushing the ball. All right. Uh, Weezer has a record coming out called Van Weezer. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to come out before OK Human. But OK Human was a good record to work on in quarantine, whereas they needed to have a full band to record this. Got it. So I decided to take the plunge and listen to a little today. We're going to play. Did a lot of work today. I always do. I always cram on Friday. So 
We're going to play 10 seconds of two songs and then 30 of one. Now, I'm pretty sure I played the most interesting part of that, which was the beginning. Mm-hmm. And this is just garbage right now, right? Not good. I'd have to hear more to assess if it's garbage or... Garbage or not. Or trash, or like what's the level <laughs> that we're going trash, for. trash, garbage, is it garbage juice, is it dried <laughs> garbage? All right. I, like, I like that intro, though. The intro wasn't was kind of fun. Well, right. it was very Van Halen. Let me... Pl- well, was it, though? With that little electric guitar riff? I don't know. I think it was very... Tired of sex, but if it was supremely overproduced. Yeah, maybe you're right. All right, here's this song is called Hero. When I was a kid, I thought I'd save the world. You can hear the vocals have a weird overdub. So they're Weezer songs that they put in this very distinct electric guitar and then that's their Van Halen tribute I guess yeah okay Scott thoughts yeah okay uh, it seems really try hard it, it is try hard um, now you hear the first two songs okay I and Scott said he liked the beginning of this one uh, he liked the beginning of the first one I dug the beginning of this one and let me hear what you guys think Now, that's Van Halen right there. But yeah. that's legit ripping off Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm waiting for David Lee Roth yeah. to come in Ow! with, like, a scream. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, Weezer, they're still on the shit list. But I-, I wanted to play that for you guys just to know that uh, I think we're going to be... I think when this record comes out, it's going to be a s- tiny revival of Weezer. Okay. That will last for maybe 12 hours. <laughs> From when the record is released to yeah. when the bad pitchfork review comes out. <laughs> All right. And a uh, little housekeeping. Um, Death from Above's latest record has yet to be reviewed. Uh, okay. On, I check again. I every day. <laughs> and uh, Matt Gates is still in uh, still in the house. The time is ticking. What do you got? May what? May, May 1st. May so, and it's also, it's been a quiet week. I will not lie. It was busy week last week with the Venmo transaction. But this week, he's been flying <laughs> under the radar. Now, the, the bet is if he does not leave the house, we have to cancel the podcast. That was not the bet. And then we reboot it as something different. Less talk, more rock? Maybe. I is don't know. Um, we'll have to see what happens. So, I, I mean, it, it has been a quiet week on the Gates front. So Finally. <laughs> not for me. I was trying to fill out that. Fu- I found a bad guy, but it took me a little bit. Um, oh, no. It's always cat business, like right around the 10-minute mark when it comes to this podcast. We love it. Um, all right. So for some news I like to call Karma's Gonna Get You, Rep Dan Instant Crenshaw. Instant Karma or just regular Karma? You know what? Let's play Instant Karma, and then I'll read the headline. Okay. This is 
Okay, everybody. Uh, this is our weekly insta instant karma segment. Uh, this is when we kind of say some funny news that happened during the week. And we uh, wait to see what's going to happen to these people, and nothing ever happens. Rep Dan Crenshaw, hopeful and confident of recovery following emergency eye surgery. So that's kind of fun. He's already blind in one eye. Is and the he? other one, he got blurry. You didn't know he was blind in one eye? I don't know anything. He wears an eye patch. Okay. Now, this is the eye patch you drew on? I drew everything except the eye patch, which is really <laughs> weird because doesn't it look like I drew the eye patch? It does. You had to have drawn that. Nope, I do everything. Go to politico.com. I do everything except the well, iPad. Well, someone else drew that then because that is not... I know, it doesn't look real. That's why I drew all that. <laughs> so Pat added some devil horns, a attempted devil beard, yeah. and a very squiggly mustache. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, blacked out a tooth, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> and then the... Uh, the cord for the eye patch goes around his forehead. Well, that's what it normally looks like. Yeah, way it does up there do that, on but the it's temple. Not, it's not squiggly. Like that. Right. Do you guys know what Vanta black is? No. It's like it's the darkest color of black. It's kind of a new discovery, but it's like the complete absence of light. That's what that eye patch looks like. Someone just dabbed <laughs> that right on. I'll post this to Instagram at some point. We need to get. We need to get a little bump on the Instagram. I know. I've been bad this week. I told you, no screens. I'm on April vacation. That's fine. Which for me equals no screens, except for what I'm required to do for this podcast. Listen, and you deserve a bare break. bare minimum. <laughs> we don't pay you. I mean, me and Scott, we break a hefty yeah. paycheck. <laughs> maybe if, we you, should maybe tell, if you talked more, you'd get yeah, paid you'd more. To, I, I get paid per word. <laughs> I get a penny per word. Um <laughs> Yeah, so Dan Crenshaw, uh, go fuck yourself. We don't like him. <laughs> what state? Texas. Yeah. And Texas is gerrymandered to hell, and his district is like, it's like an L shape hmm. because they were able to like, you know, because they know how everyone votes, so they're able to yeah. gerrymander it. We should become like a political podcast. We talk about gerrymandering. We could do it. Add yeah. a fourth podcast <laughs> to my plate. There we go. Fourth. I'm, I already do this podcast, Top mm-hmm. Chef, then I do a podcast about making podcasts, oh, which right, I haven't right, recorded right, right, yet, right. and then I'll and do... And then you're a producer for an unnamed podcast that may be released. Yeah, that hasn't been recorded yet, <laughs> thankfully. We had a slur quotient, and they, they breached it. <laughs> I meant like slurring words, not slur quotient. Uh, all right, so... Uh, yes, let's change were, topics. Let's, let's switch it up a little bit. Scott, let's say you're with... Your wife, and you're getting who kinda, is not me for the record. Nope. So we need to clear that up. <laughs> we haven't done like a formal apology to the audience that you guys aren't married, right? Yes. So I guess this has been some confusion. There has been a lot of confusion. Now, not with your like. No, my friends know that I'm not married to Scott. To Scott, <laughs> and Scott's friends know <laughs> that you're not married to Emily. I think so, yeah. But my friends are on the fence about whether or not <laughs> you guys are married. So I'm here to announce that they are not married. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, like, I'm guessing that you guys have this sort of chemistry that gives off the vibe that you're kind I think of it's just spending like a, a time two involuntary. one scenario, whereas we're always sort of, like, beating you down unintentionally. That's true. So. I'm, you know what? I, I think, think that's, that's all it is. All yeah, right. you guys have always, always sort of sort of beating me down unintentionally. Yeah, and then the chemistry you guys have is that of a married couple, 
where you're just sort of barely tolerating each other <laughs> for the sake of a podcast. Maybe. That could be. So, all right. We gotta, I hope we don't disappoint any listeners. I know. They stop listening. But <laughs> that would be pretty exciting. We have to stay true. Yeah. I mean, I'll check the numbers for next week. All right. <laughs> they have been going down. So, I, I mean, maybe like a, a stunt, you guys could get married to increase the numbers. I don't think that's legal Le- in this state. We'd yeah. have to go to a different state for that to We can to go happen. to uh, Utah. Yeah. Yeah. We right. can become the official Mitt Romney podcast of the Mormons. God, no. I refuse to tie my dog to the roof of my car. <laughs> Did that actually happen? Yes. I can never forget it. Okay. Well, some people never forget. Utah's out. I forget Utah's why we out. brought up this married stint. Because it's been Pat fucking... was pitching a scenario of some sort. <laughs> it's been, I've been getting so many questions off air. Scott and Emily, are they married? When are they going to get married? Are they going to get divorced? <laughs> And, you know, we have to address it. So we did. All right. All right. Oh, I know where we came from. Yeah, what, Scott. What was your original you're, you're, query? You're with your wife. Okay. You guys are getting, let's say, amorous. Um, do you ever pull out the claw as a move? <laughs> no. Do you know who does pull out the claw? I don't. Aziz Ansari. Oh, okay. Do you know who has season three of The Master coming out? Or Master of None coming out? <laughs> Aziz Ansari. <laughs> Uh, Master season three is coming out. That's exciting. It right. is exciting. Master of None. Ma- I keep season I'm, three. <laughs> that'd be cool if it was a show about the master. It would not be cool on Netflix. Um, yeah. So he was canceled for about a week, but then he somehow crawled out of it. Yeah. The he, circumstances he, of his were not egregious. They were probably inappropriate. But he addressed it properly. I felt like really, and especially like, got paid for. He wore a Metallica shirt. He wore a Metallica shirt, but and he, he got paid he didn't, to do a special. He addressed it, and he was saying that he didn't realize that, you know, it, I thought it was appropriate. Versus like a Bill Simmons who just somehow manages to crawl his way out of cancellation every other month without actually addressing could, the I issue. I don't think Bill Simmons has like any sort of potential sex crimes on his... No, his a more white collar. Racist. <sighs> yeah. Or just sort of lack of awareness i don't know if bill simmons is i mean it's not the comp i would have pulled yeah i would have well i constantly use the phrase crawl out of cancellation with bill simmons not constantly but i haven't listened to a thing bill simmons has done in so when 10 you years. said aziz crawled out of cancellation well, that's he did the first the claw. name that, came. that was his thing you would do uh, the claw okay. i'm doing it right now right. it's uncomfortable <laughs> for all of us <laughs> um so did so you watch who- his last special yes yeah i did not I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was Ernest. Yeah. Really? Really? Ernest gets canceled? That should be a, that'd be a good movie. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> Ernest gets can Aziz Ansari starring in an Ernest reboot called Ernest Gets Canceled. <laughs> and people love it because finally a minority is playing Ernest because he's always been a white guy. He's uh, always been the same guy. Jim Varney. Yes. <laughs> You have some weird lines on this. <laughs> well, I just think it's fun. I didn't watch it. Um, We've been telling you for years to watch it, and you... I'm not going to. You won't, yeah. Well, I just... He hates Metallica. Doesn't want to <laughs> stare at that maybe, shirt. Maybe because I love women. I'm he not sits down on the floor. He's very casual. Yeah. I don't sit on the floor. I know, Not anymore. You don't <laughs> chair tonight. As of tonight. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe I'll watch it after you guys leave, but I, I, it didn't get any buzz except for the fact that he kind of apologized. Which is a lot in comparison to like Louis C.K. 
Yeah. Do you think what... And Aziz's crime was much less severe than, than Louis's. I haven't watched anything Louis's done either. Partly because I can't figure out how to download it. He hasn't <laughs> done anything. He did a special. Yeah, shitty specials. He's he did. We don't he, need to do. I, I'm going to get mad about Louis. Well, he what he where he went wrong was that on his like comeback tour, he was trashing those kids in the school shooting. Yeah, he, and it was like, <laughs> all right, well, I'm completely out now. I don't like. I'm completely. I mean, out. violence against women. Okay, I can handle that. But you yeah. start talking about. <laughs> <sighs> it, this is. See, this is why... So you're not going to watch Master of None Season 3? I will, because it doesn't focus on Aziz. Okay. It focuses on... He um, just created it, and you're okay with that. Well, his friend created it. He just started it. I don't know if that's true. Andrew Yang. I don't know. They are friends. They they are co-writers. Is it Andrew or Alan? It's Alan. Andrew's the the running for uh, governor of New York or the mayor. He sucks, too. You want to get into that? No. Okay. But the... (laughs) What is his friend's name on the show? Oh, God. Oh, her last name's Waith, W-A-I-T-H. Lena. Lena. Yeah, so they're going to focus on her, which is going to be good. I mean, I, I think it'll she's be... A, she's a good actor. She's a great writer. Did you watch the season one and two of Master of None? I did. Did you see the Thanksgiving episode? I did, but it was so. It was three years ago. I don't really remember. Yeah. I have to do a little rewatch. It's probably the best episode of the entire series so far. All right. I, I love seeing Emmy award winning. Wow. Did it really get the Emmy? Yeah. Hmm. And Yang and Ansari co won for writing, right? Or did Lena write that I episode? I think Lena wrote that one because it was based on her experiences. All right. Well, I'll definitely do a rewatch. And, uh, you know, I, the show kind of came out of nowhere for the third season. I had no idea they were even filming it. So, I mean, who knows what's going on with COVID? We don't know. Everything's a surprise. You're looking at, are you completely vaccinated? No. Tuesday, my second shot. Okay, wow. I mean, this fo- this room is almost completely vaccinated, though, so that's exciting. Maybe like 78% vaxxed? Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, I've been really kind of getting a lot of blood clots, but that's <laughs> just whatever. You're, you're fighting through it? I'm fighting through it. Uh, related to your mispronunciation, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. <laughs> Love to hear it. Of The Master coming back for a TV show. Uh, Parasite is turning into a TV show. Really? For HBO. I knew that already a year ago but they just Patches announced has to one up you there they just oh, i did too they just <laughs> announced that it's not going to be like a reboot or remake no it's in the world of which is the also cinematic universe of just south korea but yeah they said it's, <laughs> they said it's going to be in the world of the parasite universe hmm. which again is just south korea but well, they're going to be different stories they're not going to be trying to rehash anything now do you want to talk a little 2021 oscars and just play around with like a couple categories Let's do it all right uh, I said to Scott and you guys, I want to do every category. Yeah, you guys. Well, I want to do I want to do every category. Hell yeah! But I was talked out of it, so I'll just pick. We'll just do five right now and just say what we think. Well, well t- tell the what? people what you're talking about. There's a big six, first of all. So if you're gonna do it, well, do you want to then take the lead on the big six? All right, so I want to say, Patrick, we got the Oscars coming up on Sunday. I don't know when this episode will post. It'll be up by Monday morning. Okay. (laughs) I can post it by uh, Sunday night. No, don't stress yourself out. Don't stress yourself out. The listeners will have to wait. All right. So you probably won't hear this till after the Oscars have aired, but the Oscars (laughs) aired on Sunday, and Patrick just found a ballot sheet where you can basically enter pools and stuff, and everyone can see who got the most right. Mm Mm-hmm. 
do you want me to go into well, what our I want six to say, categories are? I, I think it'll be fun to say what we think will win, like what should win and what will win. So, like, I'll start with best picture. What do you think will win and what should win? So, I will say... Well, what are the nominees? Okay, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Manxgiving, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, The Trial of Chicago 7. Have both of you seen all of these? I have seen all of them. I haven't seen The Father. Okay. I watched The Father. It was uh, devastating and awful. But Oscar-worthy? Absolutely, 100%. Is that your pick? No. Okay. Uh, I will say the Trial of Chicago 7 wins, but what should win is probably, I would say, Nomadland. Nomadland's, you can flip those. You Nomadland's fl- definitely the favorite right now. The worry is that people are going to start sorking themselves. They're going to start sorking their own dorks. <laughs> trial is going to might sneak in and, and win because it's it's what's well, an ensemble piece, and yeah. the Academy loves an ensemble. And out of those films, Nomadland was my favorite. I really liked Minari a lot. I did too. What what was your favorite from those listed? I only saw Judas and the Black Messiah and Nomadland and Sound of Metal. So. We watch, didn't we watch Trial of Chicago 7? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, best Director. Another round. Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman. I think Chloe wins it hands down. It's hers to lose. Yeah, that definitely feels like the most likely. So Chloe directed Nomadland, mm-hmm. just for the people to at home to keep up. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone else really has a shot here. Maybe Promising Young Woman? Just because it had so much buzz when it first came out. But its I don't think that's even an Oscar-worthy movie, in my opinion. It probably isn't. You, you watch Promising Young Woman, right? No. We didn't watch that for the podcast? No, no we didn't. We Jesus. went with I Care A Lot instead. Oh, <laughs> yeah, bad choice. Okay, uh, let's do Best Actor. Skip over Best <laughs> Actress. Okay, Riz, Maha- Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Tony Hopkins... Gary Oldman from Manx, St- Stephen Young from Inari. I'm going to say this. I think Tony Hopkins wins it for The Father. I'm just, I'm going to go out on a limb. Okay. He won the BAFTA, which is the British version he, of the I'll Oscars. I'll tell you what. Did but, you read the Keith Law review of The Father? Yeah. He goes, Tony Hopkins still has his fastball. It was a really good performance. I believe it. I just don't know how they. It's whatever you think. Don't it's give it twice as good to as the you. Chadwick Boseman posthumous award. Emily, give me some thoughts. I'm with you, Scott, even though I haven't seen, I've seen Sound of Metal and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I agree, I think they're going to go with Chadwick. I'm just thinking that... I think the Oscars are going to try and do the right thing, to quote... Do you really think that Chadwick Boseman was the best actor? Well, let me rephrase that. I think they're going to try and give the impression of doing the right thing. There we go. So they're going to go for a lot of minorities. Not to say that those people aren't deserving of this. Pat's giving Scott the eyes. Which is, <laughs> no, I'm he's just... afraid I'm saying something wrong. Um, I I don't know. I don't know the Oscars well enough. I don't follow it every year. I don't watch the movies, obviously. See, Scott does follow it every year, and he does make a point to watch all the films. So it's there's a just little... been a lot of criticism for these awards, not the Oscars in particular, but all awards for yeah. not honoring 
certain people mm-hmm. that should maybe have been recognized. And this is literally the last chance to honor Chadwick. Right. And it is a good performance. He was wonderful in that movie. It was good, but it was very vibey of like a play to me, where you, you can act over the top. it was a play. No, it was a movie. It was a movie from a play. That's true, but it still was a movie. Where you can overact like that and... But his character was supposed to be overacting. And then when he let that guard down, he was his normal self. So I think it was all mixed. I think he did a really good job. I think he's deserving of it. Tony Hopkins was incredible. It was just a crazy, crazy performance. It was weird. It was sad. It kind of had it all. Um, Best Actress... Viola Davis from Ma Rainey, Andre Day for the United States versus Billie Holly, which I did not see. Supposed to be awful. But she did win in a, one, the Best Actress Award from the Golden Globes, I believe. Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman? I don't know what that is. Is that the um, movie where she lost a child? Uh, That's Portrait of a Woman on Fire. No. Oh. I uh, don't the, remember. I saw K- the Netflix trailer. Casey Affleck in it? The only the trailer I saw was Casey just... Casey Affleck can't pass up a movie where someone loses a kid. That's true. <laughs> or he loses all his kids in a fire. Um, well, Frances will win that. That's not true. You don't well, think so? She's not a lock by any means. Carrie Mulligan. That movie was like... Is that the competition? I don't see Casey Affleck. No, uh, Ellen Burstyn is who I was thinking of. She's in the Netflix trailer. She's doing like a monologue in the trailer about... And she's lecturing Vanessa Kirby. You don't think Frances is a lock? She is the only person on this list that hasn't won a Best Actress award this year. No, she's won. Oh, this year. I was going to say she's won. In How the many past. Oscars have there been this year? Not Oscars, but oh. between Golden Globes, BAFTAs, and uh, the uh, Actors Association, SGA. <laughs> the SGA. Okay. Screen uh, Actors Guild? SAG. Okay. We'll SGA. <laughs> SAG. Shea Gilgis Alexander. <laughs> Um, uh, so I'm just saying, she's not a lock. I think she'll win. I think she deserves to win. Mm-hmm. She's very good. Do you want to talk about the article that you posted? From Slate? Well, Scott, why don't you sum up the article? So some jackass on Slate wrote an article about how Nomadland really kind of sucks and that Frances's performance is improved because she's working against non-actors and she's really just fine. And then the movie doesn't take any swings at anything else other than just trying to make you feel a little bit good about these people you'll never meet, and then you can forget about them. The article seemed like a lot of bullshit. I didn't really get his angle. Well, okay, so the, when I read the article, this guy, it was just legit diarrhea of words he wrote a lot more than needed to be said about this movie and why like why because all right so an indie movie the audience is already a pretty refined group of people okay Mm -hmm. so let's just take the three of us for example we watch this movie all right you see this woman who is living in her vehicle she lost everything in the financial crisis. Her her husband died, and now she camps out and works at Amazon. So seasonally, seasonally. So like the snapshot of that to me is like, oh, that's bad. The writer was trying to make the point of that the the badness wasn't explained to the layman, or at least that's what I got. He 
he was criticizing Francis McDormand's performance, like Scott said, but then he also wanted the movie to be more anti-capitalist by being more against Amazon. And so his main criticism was that it was supposed to take place in 2011, but it was filmed in a 2018 Amazon factory. Mm -hmm. So why not make it be take place in 2018 and have it go heavier on the Amazon stuff? I just feel like he missed the point entirely of the movie. Well, his other point was if you did it in 2018, you'd have to address the fact that a lot of these people may have voted for Trump and right, you so didn't want to involve Trump in this. He was making the assumption that that was, is what right. Chloe he, was thinking, which who knows? I mean, how does how But is he like instead to know? she just set the movie in the same time period as the book. How dare right. her? But like it's not right. the filmmaker's job to like judge these people. But also the counter argument that Scott posted made a really good point that she lost everything in the financial crisis of 2009. So of course the movie's going to take place in 2011 mm-hmm. because that's when everything was, she was struggling to get back on her feet. Yeah. I mean, for like a human, like a human perspective, it's like the filmmaker isn't supposed to judge the characters in her movie. You're right. just supposed to be like, this is what's happening. And then you can interpret it as you wish. What is she supposed to do? Like make these like the person was, they were shitting in buckets. It was miserable. It was a bad time. They had to move their cars. They were freezing cold. They couldn't pay for it. Like, but no, this author thinks that shitting in a bucket was Francis's star punishment. turn. Yeah. yeah. Or no, you deserve to be punished for. No, he thought it was a cop out for like a cheap, like thrill for the audience. Because you wouldn't want to watch a regular person shit in a bucket, right? I thought that was pretty brave of her to do it. Um, it surprised me when she did that. She, yeah. she does it on the street. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, you know, I think, like, the Chloe, she films what, you know, is on the page. Yeah. All right. We'll get back to Chloe. Yeah, we will. Later in this episode. I, I don't know. I think it was unfair. and I think it was a shit article. And I liked, yeah. I liked the, I, I had sent Pat and Emily Craig Calcaterra's response. And it was good. Yeah. So, Best Supporting Actress. We're going to go back to this? Okay. We're going to finish up the last two. Okay. We have Maria Bakalova from Borat, Glenn Close from Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Colman from The Father, Amanda Seyfried from Mank, and Yoon Ye-jung from Minari. Um, Pat, do you know who the favorite is? It has to be Yoon Ye-jung. Correct. So, she, it's a toss-up between her and Maria Bakalova. To me, I thought she was awesome. She was awesome. She, she was great. But it's, it's comedy. It's Borat. You're not, yeah. You're rarely going to win the Oscar for that. But the grandmother of Minari was incredible. I mean, you know, she was really good. Is that the grandmother? I thought so. Oh, no. G- Google it. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty I, sure. I she won the BAFTA. So I don't know. Okay, but did you see what she looks like? Yeah, that's the, the grandmother won the, the BAFTA. Yeah, I don't know the name. Huh. Let's look it up. We can do that. Do, and then, do, and then we have do, Best do. Supporting Actor. We have Sasha Baron Cohen from Trial of Chicago 7. It is the grandma. It's the grandma. So you said she's the favorite, but it wasn't the character you thought. I know. We call that racism where I come from. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look it up. Jesus Christ. You tried to back me into a corner. <laughs> I really liked the wife's performance. Of course you did. You're married to Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, she won the BAFTA. I saw her interview for the BAFTA. Okay. She goes, I was surprised to win an award because the people that vote for this are so snobby. 
She <laughs> legit said that. And the bats would be like, oh, it's oh, oh. pretty Is that funny. how British people laugh? Oh, it's funny. <laughs> Best supporting actor. This is an interesting one. So we have Sasha. We have Daniel Kaluuya in Judas. Leslie Odom Jr. from One Night in Miami. Paul Racy in Sound of Metal. And Lakeith Stanfield also in Judas and the Black Messiah. Big contention with these two. Yeah. Daniel a, and Lakeith. It's a roll of the dice. I'm going to say that. Who's the star then? Lakeith submitted himself for best actor, but the way that the nomination process works is they don't care what you submit as for some reason. And so the people that watch the movies put him on the long list as supporting actor. And what about Daniel? Like who is the star of that movie? It's definitely Daniel. I agree. But they're both here as supporting actor. I think Lakeith was actually better. Interesting. But also, like, to throw Paul Racy on there them... is kind of, he's not going to win. Why didn't one of them get into Best Actor? Kaluuya ran as a supporting actor. Okay. But it's, you know, I don't know. I don't... But you just said that their own nominations don't mean anything. I agree. So. What, what do you agree with? Well, Lakeith, with me. <laughs> Lakeith's character is the title character. The Black Messiah? Judas. Oh, Okay. Daniel's the Black Messiah. Yeah. This is like, it's tough. we need to get someone from the Oscars on here. <laughs> no, they don't have a very good explanation either. At least put them both in best actor. Like, you can only have one actor. I don't know. And two supporting? I have no idea. <laughs> this well, is frustrating to you me. You can have many supporting. But then, well, the question is, if both of them are supporting, then that makes Jesse Plemons the, the best actor. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Keith should be the main, he's the main storyline. I think so too. So he should be in Best Actor. But Kaluuya gives the biggest performance, as only he can do. And he was yeah. really good. I mean, he playing Fred Hampton. They were both fantastic. So. I, I want to bring up Paul Racy again. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ, that must suck to be him. He's Why? not an actor. I mean, he's just... You don't think he's happy to get nominated? I'm he's just, not an actor. I'm just happy to be nominated. <laughs> don't, don't you ever say that? But you can't deny that he did a great job. He wants to so bad. I do think he did a best actor worthy performance. Well, we're talking about supporting actor. I'm sorry. Do you think he did a best supporting actor worthy performance? Yeah, there were so few actors in that film. Is there I, someone else that you feel like should be on this I list? I can't pull it off the top of my head. Okay. Um, so I think Kaluuya is going to win. What do you got, Patrick? I think Sasha could pull it out just based on the... He was good, but I thought Just it was... Just to be car- clear, this is for the trial of Chicago 7, not Borat. I know, we I didn't know. say that before. I know, you didn't say that. I, I did I, say it was for trial. Oh, sorry. I think Sasha could win it. I thought he was really good playing a sort of character of... Character. Caricature. Caricature of uh, Abby Hoffman. Yeah. Like, it was perfectly cromulent, and it was comic. It was kind of, like, meant to be funny. And I don't know shit about Abby Hoffman. Nor I... But I thought it was good. But can we get back to Paul Racy? What's he doing on this list? Um, Paul Racy is actually deaf too. He can't can't hear. Grew up with deaf parents. Oh, he so he can hear. I believe so. Oh God! I looked this up. Do you don't remember the sound of metal discussion we had? I we do. We talk about this. I okay. All right. That's oh God. Um, yeah, I, I think I like Lakeith the best. Okay, I like Lakeith. Right. Emily, who do you like? I'm just mad that they're both in this category when either one could be an actor. I I don't know. 
I'm going to go with Daniel. I'm with Scott because Lakeith is the best. He's the main actor of that movie in mm-hmm. my mind. So um, he shouldn't be in this category. I'm going to pick a random category. I'm just going to open my eyes. Best original screenplay. I think we're good on the Oscars front. I'll say Minari. Okay. All right. Best foreign film, Minari? Yeah, that should... No, it's not. It's not a foreign film. A little little trick job for you guys. (laughs) All right. Um, Do you want to take a break? Yeah. And then 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 get into... The media. The media. All right. Let me play a little song going out. Rest in peace, Shock G. Died. That's right. Yeah. I saw that and I didn't connect the dots that this was him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shock G was in the band The Digital Underground, yeah. who Tupac Shakur was also in this group. And, uh, I mean, listen to the way he raps. And all the rappers in the top ten, please allow me to bump the I'm stepping tall, y'all. And just like very language style. So I had this kind of scheduled in as that I'm gonna give a ten minute eulogy on Shock G and his contributions to rap. Uh, and I'm gonna weave in sort of Tupac, Biggie, we'll get to DMX, then we'll kinda like play around a little bit with Mac Miller. And it's going to take 10 minutes, and we're going to start now. Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to get canceled. I could never be so eloquent. Just when we think we can talk about rap, we kind of get a hold of ourselves, and we realize, not a good idea. It's not. We're not the people for it. No. But what we can talk about is a little band (laughs) called the Ramones. Um, Let me start with, you know, are you, were you a big Ramones person, Emily? I was never like a diehard Ramones person, but I do know and like a lot of their songs, but I couldn't tell you album names. I couldn't tell mm-hmm. you like years. I couldn't tell you history. Um, they all, the thing about the Ramones is they have a very distinct look that they have carried through or had carried through decades. And so as a young person seeing that image, they always seemed like old men to me. Okay. But they were not old when they started. So <laughs> They were young guys. In 1980, mm-hmm. which was well after their debut album. Yeah. Uh, which was 74? Uh, their first record came out in 76. 76, okay. 76. So in 1980, they recorded End of the Century, produced by Phil Spector, which mm-hmm. was a crazy pairing. But it did yield probably their coolest song. In my opinion, Chinese rock. Do you know the song? I don't. This is my favorite Ramon song. Now, 
we all know Phil Spector for the Wall of Sound. Mm-hmm. He produced Let It Be, which was a disaster, right? He produced Let It Be? I think so. I would not consider Let It Be a disaster. Really? If that's the case. Uh, Let It Be from the Beatles? Yeah. No. Yeah, he he produced it. Why do you say it's a disaster? Because of like the overproduction and all the strings in the background. Because they did Let It Be Naked. Yeah. That came out a few years ago. They took all the Phil Spector production out of it. Yes. I thought, I thought Let It Be was very overproduced. Huh, okay. That's my opinion. <laughs> we'll um, get to it on our Beatles episode, I guess. <laughs> that's going to be... We might do Beatles month. We should do that. <laughs> Four no, straight no. episodes. Okay, well, listen. If you're a fan of this uh, program and you think that Let It Be was a disaster, please call in. Um, so I want to play another track from uh, End of the Century produced by Phil Spector. When they were recording this, Phil Spector held a gun to everyone's head. He shot holes in the wall. He loved Joey, mm-hmm. which was kind of weird because Joey was, you know, he played guitar, he played drums, and he sang. But, like, he wasn't the exactly, like, he didn't, he was the figurehead of the band in a way. So right. let me play this track. You can definitely hear the Phil Spector flourishes. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joey's voice, pretty cool. Can I quiz you guys for a minute? Ronnie Spector. Do you remember us having a conversation about this on this podcast? It was one of your favorite songs, right? No, it was in my covers. Oh. Oh, so we played this already? Yes. Do you remember? It sounded a little familiar, oh, but I'd never heard it geez, before. Jeez, Louise, anyway. that's embarrassing. <laughs> Shows you how well we listen. To me, yes. Oh, no. Um, Baby, I Love You, great song by the Ronettes. Mm-hmm. Also I the I thought you were going to quiz me who, wrote, who like, performed no, it originally. No, I'm going to quiz you if you remember me talking about it, and uh, clearly you do not. We have to like redo this break. <laughs> um, I just wanted to play all that just to like kind of get you sort of like up to date in 1980 is like what the Ramones became. But yeah. when they first came out with their debut album... Uh, it was kind of pretty revolutionary in a way. And it's kind of like a sort of reductive way to think about it. Not really. But, I think it's accurate. Yeah. Um, I asked Emily about the Ramones. Scott, what is your relationship to the Ramones? Very slight. For whatever reason, I got into punk in the late 90s. And It'd I be just... great if Scott said the late 70s. <laughs> I know. Oh, fuck. That's so cool. <laughs> I never did my homework, you know. They'd always show up on Punkaramas and stuff, and so I'd hear I don't it. think they ever show up on a Punkarama. No Punkaramas? No. 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 None. No. I mean, maybe their last album came out in 95. Mm. But they're just picking tracks. Covers, maybe. Hmm. But, no, I didn't, didn't have a big relationship with them. Just saw their influence everywhere. To be fair to you, there wasn't really a good way to do homework in the late 90s. Oh, yeah. On music. Not a, there wasn't an easy way, but you no. could do it if you wanted. Well, 
Go to the library and search the card catalog, maybe, but... Easy. We're not talking about your favorite things to do. <laughs> Are you going to look up Punkorama? I would love to be proven wrong. I just I know. They were I, on I can't Sire. imagine. They were on a major label from the day they... That's a good point. Like, they were yeah, never on, like, Epitaph or anything, so... That's probably your best-selling <laughs> point there. Um, so, I kind of think of it... My relationship with the Ramones, I think of it like this. Is that... In the early 90s, I listened to the music my parents liked. Mm-hmm. So that was Jackson Brown, Don Henley, Kenny G. And then Tough. I started listening to the radio. So that was 92, 93, Pro FM, Kiss 108. So Tupac, when they would play Tupac songs, Notorious B.I.G., mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg, like stuff like that, Dr. Dre. And then Green Day came out, and they hit the mainstream where they would play Longview, Basket Case, whatever. So when I first heard that, I was like, oh, I'm into punk. But the Ramones were too old. So like, right. I only got into contemporary punk where I would be like, oh, I like Offspring. or right. And then that kind of made its way into Bad Religion. But at the same time, I also was into like Corn and really bad music like that. So, And I wasn't smart enough to be like, hey, I'm going to like Scott said, do my homework and be like, how right. did they get three chords or whatever? One thing reading about this album was that Johnny Ramone played downstroke chords where he was just like, like he played like that. And he got that style from uh, Communication Breakdown by Led Zeppelin. Hmm. And that's how Jimmy Page played. To kind of piggyback off your point, um, the way I got into the Ramones or heard about the Ramones was probably through film and TV. Because they're featured in a lot of movies, whether it's like a joke or a sincere, like a Wes Anderson tribute sort of thing. What's the timing? There we go. Um, and then from there, you kind of want to dive deeper. And then I start hanging out with people who know a lot about the mm-hmm. Ramones, so they sort of teach me a little bit. But I never like went full in. Do you know anyone that like listens to the Ramones? Yes. Like, see, I don't. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah. Now, my when friend I, Chris Brown, he'll mm-hmm. never listen to this podcast. Not the rapper. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was. Was always into the Ramones, and he's who I think of when I hear the Ramones. That's awesome because, like, I mean, I I just listening to them for this podcast. I was like, why aren't these guys one of my favorite bands? Right? Did you feel the same way, Scott? This record's so good. I know. Yeah. It sounds just great. The production is insane. Um, like I have. S- three or four specific moments that I'm just like, oh, this part's sick. Uh, do you know where they got their name from? I do. Ooh, Scott, do Scott, you? Know? you? Uh, yeah, I read it on Wiki today. <laughs> All right, we don't even need to talk about it. That's what Paul McCartney would check into hotel as Paul Ramone. I thought that was pretty cool. That was very cool. Do you think Chris Brown knows that? Probably. Okay. I'm sure he does. <laughs> um, now, this was recorded in January or February 1976, released in April 23rd, 1976, which oh. to me, that is pretty crazy. That Today. The 76. When did the... When did, Today's April 23rd, FYI. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what a great timing. <laughs> the foremost anniversary podcast. <laughs> I, I have to... Give me a second to come o- get over that. Uh, rock journalist Lisa Robinson called Seymour Stein at sire and said hey check these guys out now i listen to a radio show called bennington and lisa robinson calls in quite a bit to just talk about music and i never knew that she basically discovered the ramones interesting which is crazy because she calls in all the time 
Did you write for punk back then, or was it something else? I wasn't listening to what you said. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She was just like a rock journalist. Okay. And, I mean, these... I I know you listen to the music, and you're like, this is punk pop. These were some scary motherfuckers back in the day. These were not nice guys. Johnny Ramone used to beat the fuck out of everybody. Nazi symbols being used. Well, they were all... Johnny wasn't Jewish, but Joey was. Okay. So they were using that Nazi imagery as sort of like a, like a boogeyman in a way, I Got think. Got it. Okay. And it is uncomfortable to kind of read about, and I don't think it would fly nowadays, but they were just using that as like evil. Okay. Because the song like, it's not off the record, but the KKK took my baby away, that was about Johnny's uh, stealing Joey's girlfriend. Got it. Who actually, they were married until uh, Johnny died, which was in 2000 and I think four. So, I mean, their relationship, like, he, yeah, he stole his girlfriend, but they were married for like 25 years. Hmm. So, or 20 years. But Nazis were just like the bad guys. Like, think of it as like a Castle Wolfenstein bit of business. Okay. You're not going to release Wolfenstein 3D nowadays. I mean, they are, but. You shouldn't. <laughs> but. I don't know. I loved this album. I'm so pissed that I never got into it. I wish this was my identity. I wanted to be like a bad kid that liked the Ramones. Interestingly, they all they went to high school together. Forest this is like Hills a high school band. Yeah, isn't Forest, that wild? It's very wild. Forest Hills. That's where Mary J. Blige went. I mean, Queens. Yeah, Queens. It, it is really crazy that they like. It's insane that they. They knew each other. It's insane they formed a group. And it's insane that, like, they were, like, a very... This music isn't abrasive. It's tough, no. yet... Um, it's just fast. Yeah, it's just fast. And and when it's, like, soft, it's still fast. But you can see their influences. So they met in the 60s, right? That's when they went to high school. Mm-hmm. And you can hear, like... I forget which song it is. Oh, Judy is a punk. Um second verse same as the first that's a tribute to herman's hermits okay um they cover a 50s song let's dance as a cover so it's like it's sort of taking the sounds of their youth and their parents and then like reimagining them for a new sound and sort of defined punk in their own way <laughs> yeah i mean th- so you think about punk in the uk and then punk in america the Ramones came first, then they went overseas, and The Clash saw them play. Joe Strummer saw the Ramones, and then did what they were going to do. I read that, and it surprised me. Mm-hmm. I thought The Clash was first. I really yeah. did. Which, I just pissed that I no one ever showed me the Ramones when I was a kid. Who was who would show it to you, though? That's the thing. Maybe like, uh, like an kind of an overbearing uncle that may have been a bit too touchy-feely. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I don't know, a family member? Maybe a, a family friend? So you pissed your dad wasn't into the Ramones coming home in <laughs> yeah. spiked jackets every... Spiked so leather jackets. With Kenny G. This song, I don't care what you say. This is a pop song. Judy's a Punk is a pop song. Yeah. It's a great song. Absolutely. I mean... A minute 32. It's... <laughs> amazing the brevity on the whole album right can i play my favorite song off the record you sure can havana affair the banana line is very stupid but i love the riff at the 
like three quarter mark. So we'll get to that. Just makes you want to dance. And yeah. it's a similar riff to like the song Pinhead, I Don't Wanna Be Up, but like, yep. it's just different enough to be really cool. But the song right before it, they sound very similar, Loudmouth. It's a good song though, right? Yeah. You're completely right about that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought these are the two most similar songs on the album. I just, I, I really dug Havana Affair. Um, so, they played, they were discovered at CBGB's, and guess what? All three of us have been to CBGB's. We have. Which is crazy to think. It's true. Do you want to expound on that? No, it was a good night. It was like a day, wasn't it? It was daytime. It was a weekday. It was a whole day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we took a trip from UMass Dartmouth. Oh my yes. god! I have no recollection of that. Ended up in New York. Yep. Saw Built to Burn play. Yep. I don't remember being in Drove there at home. all. <laughs> I don't remember. I just remember it happening. Uh, it happened. We were there. The Ramones played Brockton High School, which I thought was insane. That is insane. And they were they that was a specific show that they knew. Joey Ramone talked about that as being a. Like they did, they were not well received, which well, is crazy. Like he specifically brought up that show, Brockton High School. He was not well received. That's when they decided they didn't want to be openers anymore. Yeah, which was, yeah, that's fine. But like, dude, it's, nice thing, it's a nice yeah, thing to decide. Yeah, we're not but. the openers anymore, <laughs> dude. You're playing a three quarters of a mile from where I live right now. I mean, come on. <laughs> that that sent me down a deep a deep dive of all the bands that have ever played in Brockton. And it made me depressed that we missed the Rancid show a couple of years ago. It was like $45. I know. Come on, dude. We could have afforded it. A few years ago. <laughs> yeah. To see Rancid in Brockton shouldn't cost $45. That's true. Did you look up or were you able to find any info on the band that the Ramones played with, The Maze? No. I, I, do you know anything about them? No. I was hoping you did. I heard they were real corny. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get to it. Good job. <laughs> um, so Lisa Robinson, she wrote for Hit Parader and Rock Scene. Um, she saw the Ramones playing at CBGB's and she just constantly wrote about them, sent them to Seymour Stein, blah, 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 blah. So the recording of the album, uh, the guitars can be heard separately in the stereo channels, electric bass to the left channel, rhythm guitar to on the right. Drums and vocals are mixed in the middle of the stereo mix. So if you're listening at home, you won't hear any of that because this podcast is only on <laughs> one channel. I was thinking about that. Did you find anything like that stuck out when you were looking up the Ramones or no, this album? I was just thinking with bands like the Ramones that are so big and so well known, like how like okay, the song Blitzkrieg Bop, which everyone knows probably at this point. Sure. Even if you think you don't know, you probably know it. 
I have can to play still it. like sit down and listen to this song. But I don't know if it's too overplayed. This is the problem with bands like the Ramones. Like, are they too overplayed? Are they overplayed? Or is is it just overexposure on t-shirts? Yeah. Commercials. Their music is better than their imagery. We just got overexposed from Hot Topic and <laughs> people that, like, the chorus. I mean, this is a great record that I will revisit. Of course, yeah. Well, yeah obviously. I will say the first four songs are the best songs on the album. In my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's 29 minutes. Um, I think I had another specific moment that I really enjoyed. Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World is very fun, too, even though I don't know if it's, like, okay or not. Did they write that? Yeah. The the one with the Nazi references? But I guess if you look at it as songwriting, as storytelling, then they're playing characters. You can make yourself some excuses to make it okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nazism is this, like, overarching... They did not... They weren't pro-Nazis. No, I know. But they weren't explicitly anti-Nazi either. So then... They were Jewish, though. It was... I, I don't know. I'm, but to like picture yourself at a Ramones show in the late 70s and to be singing along, I'm a Nazi, like, it doesn't feel right. It feels <laughs> worse now than it would have at the time. I could have probably justified it back then. There were a lot of Nazi punks in that era. That's true. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. off. Yeah. Um, I wrote down that I really enjoyed the cymbal crash in Loudmouth. Could I play that? Mm-hmm. How good is that symbol crash? It's cool. It is cool. Yep. It's a good record. I'm glad we listened to it in full. Yeah, I mean, I went on a deep Ramones dive today where I started from... I, I want to read all their biographies because uh, Johnny, Joey, and Dee Dee... Have you heard Dee Dee's rap stuff? No. Oh, can we play it real quick? Sure, if you can find it. Listened to it three times today. All right, so Didi Ramon was one of the principal songwriters. He was kind of like an unsung guy in the band. He he did do a lot of the writing, but you know uh, Johnny got credit for being like the innovative guitarist, and Joey was like a vocalist. Who I think you know his style was like one note. Did what do you think of him as a vocalist? I would say one note is probably accurate. But, like, the the praise was insane. It's but as, he created a sound Yeah, with that one note. He defined a genre, <sighs> essentially. I just think I'm reading it, and I'm like, damn, they love fucking Joy Ramone. I'm like, it's good, and it's cool, but I don't really know. I feel like I'm going into the labyrinth right now. <laughs> Alarm clock 
This reminds me of our Talking Heads episode <laughs> with uh, so God, I'm drawing a blank on the other band, the drummer EPMD? and the no, the drummer and the and the bassist from Talking Heads. Um, yeah. So Dee Dee was in rehab, and he met some uh, some brothers that taught him about rap, and then he all of a sudden wanted to be a rapper. So he ditched the like tight pants, leather jackets, and just showed up. Kind of like this to all the Ramon shows. <laughs> Chains, you know, whatever. And he, he made this album. This wasn't even on the record, but this is called Funky Man. But he had a record called... He changed his name to D.D. King. Okay. <laughs> and then he put out a rap record, which was pretty bad. So, I guess Tom if you're... Tom Club is the other band. Oh. Tom Tom Club. Okay. So, I guess if you're listening to our podcast and you want to know about the Ramones, they're pretty good. They are. <laughs> Check them out. Yeah. They have a rich discography... Um, I want to get more into it. I'm shocked it. this was their first album. I will say that. Yeah, because it's like... It's almost like this could be almost a greatest hits album. It's too good. Yeah. Too good for a first well, album. think of like like Green Day Kerplunk. Yeah. Like that's, that's a good album. But this album came out 15 years before, which is actually crazy to think about. Because how close I know it. it <laughs> I was about to be like, this came out fifty years before. <laughs> yeah, that is insane. Yeah. I'm not even like making my own point right now, but it, that is Scott's face is like, oh my god, it's hard to hard to believe. Yeah, <laughs> like Ramones were still like trying to figure it all out, and then Green Day puts out Kerplunk. We're getting old. It's crazy. Music evolves, I guess. I just I love. The crispness, the crispness of the production, the songwriting is insane. Mm-hmm. The short songs. It's twenty nine minutes. The musicianship is like crazy good. And like I've listened to the first Sex Pistols album, The Clash. Like they're good, but the Ramones were like, "This is who we are. We know exactly what we're doing. We're gonna just go for it." Yep. Do you think you'll listen to more Ramones, Scott? Yes, I will. Absolutely, I might listen to it right after this. Yeah, maybe for the ride home to our separate homes. Wait a minute. You guys aren't married? <laughs> it's cool that you have a friend that's like a big Ramones head. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in a couple of years. He moved to San Diego and I haven't talked to him since because I'm not on social media, so I don't oh. keep up with people that way. Yeah. Uh, you ready to get riding? Well, let's uh, let's do a little housekeeping for the next episode. Then we'll talk about the rider. Okay. So... We're going to do, let me, so next week we're going to talk about. Going to have a guest. We're going to have a guest. Have you talked to this guest? Yes. All right, cool. Uh, Why don't you introduce her? So my friend Sarah, who I've mentioned multiple times in this podcast, she wants to be on the podcast. Awesome. So of course we're going to welcome her with open arms. Mm -hmm. Digitally. We we gave her. (laughs) We're going to w- welcome her with ones and zeros. <laughs> we let her choose the subject. So she wants to talk about the Quentin Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's perfect. She's a very big true crime person. So that we'll talk, we can talk about uh, the ending. Charles Manson. Specifically? No, is it Charles Manson in that one? Yeah. It is. And Dennis Wilson. So have you seen Once Upon a Time? I have. Um, did we see it in the theater together? Yes. Okay. Well, it might have been the last one we saw together. So Sad. we're gonna we're gonna talk Pacific Ocean Blue. 
Yep. By Dennis Wilson, which is an album that I've actually listened to a lot. It's one of it's an album I really like. So I'm pretty pumped for this. <laughs> okay. Um, Scott, have you listened to it? No. Do you like the Beach Boys? Yeah. You're supposed to say no. They're they're okay. <laughs> no do you like is. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yes, I yes. Do. Okay. Absolutely. So that's very exciting to have mm-hmm. a guest, and she's paying what seventy five dollars to be on the podcast. We need to work that out still, but there's no. <laughs> she does not have to pay. Jeez, Louise. How much does Tim have to pay? Does he have to pay less than a female guest? <laughs> Tim, my brother. <laughs> yes. No, no. It's uh, anybody that wants to be on could be on. You reach out to everybody you're friends with if they want a guest on it, and pick if they want to pick the movie. And pick the artist. And they can pay do it. seventy five dollars. No, they have do to it. pay anything. Scott, do they have to pay? <laughs> Promo- not usually. You no. started this whole thing. It wasn't me. No, I, I just did that when I thought we were going to like be <laughs> insanely famous. Now it's like, hey, we just want something to talk about. Yeah. Now, does Sarah like Dennis Wilson? She likes the Beach Boys. I don't know how much she likes them individually. Okay. Now Dennis was friends with Charlie uh, Charlie Wilson. Charlie Wilson's Charlie role. Wilson. <laughs> he was friends with uh, Chucky Manson. I think that's why she wants to talk about him because she okay. knows a lot about Charles Manson and all that stuff. Cool. Yeah. I mean, does she know that what she's getting into? I hope so. Okay. Cool. <laughs> what do you uh, know? What time she's wanna gonna want to record? She'll this? work around our time. So eight. I've been there. Eight p.m. next Saturday. Five p.m. her time. No, it sounds great. So I can't wait. Uh, I've watched Once Upon a Time, I think one time, and I think it came out in quarantine on uh, like digital release. Okay, I watched it on a plane to California once. Look at Scott, Jet Setter. Yeah, it's a good movie. I'm always happy to rewatch. I like it. that. I like that review. It's a good movie. It is a good movie. <laughs> Scott, what some movie? great driving scenes. Some great feet scenes. Some great shirtless Brad Pitt scenes. There's one shirtless. There is one, but it's a great one. Uh, this week we watched Chloe, <laughs> wait, Chloe Zhao's do debut. Do we? Well, let's take it. Five, four, three. All right, one more time. Do it again. This week we watched <laughs> Chloe Zhao's directorial debut, The Rider. Okay. Um, 2017, I believe. I think it was 2018. You're gonna make us look her. You can just agree with Emily, huh? Just tell me I'm right. One, release date may 20th 2017 okay at can just but, tell me i'm wrong but, but april 2018 in the u.s i only do distribution wide okay. releases um <laughs> so we watched nomadland and we all you know did we love it did we like it we it, were in, we were like stimulated by it. That might be the new thing we kind of talk about. We're how just, we get stimulated? Yeah, we're stimulated <laughs> by the film. Like, yeah, the subject matter is dark and depressing. I'll never rewatch Nomadland. It's never going to happen. How many times did you rewatch Parasite? I never, never rewatched it. Oh, I thought you had. Okay. How dare you? <laughs> I liked Nomadland. I was stimulated by it. I thought it was, it was very a beautiful depressing. Film, very moving. A very beautiful film, and you know. You know, discounting the criticism from Slate, I mm-hmm. thought that the movie had a lot to say. Yeah. I, I, I just think that a film is a snapshot of a time and a place, and we're left to interpret it. And it's, I, I, you know, Francis McDormand, you star in a movie. I'm not going to rely on you to, like, speak out on Amazon. That's not up to her. Right. But, like Nomadland, so we had Francis McDormand and we had David Strathairn. 
the only two actors in the movie, and the rest were non-actors, just mm-hmm. regular people. Yep. So the writer was, was all, all non-actors. Non-actors, correct? Correct. Okay. So, Scott, give me a synopsis of the film. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm not doing it this week. I'm sorry. All right. So the movie is about a kid, guy, whatever. He uh, is a rodeo. His name's Brady. Brady. Braids, as they call him sometimes. He He's a, a rodeo rider, dude, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he gets injured. So he can't ride anymore. The very beginning of the movie, he gets kicked in the head. Mm-hmm. And stepped on by a, a horse. <laughs> Don't make it sound so funny. Um, so he comes from like a... They're all Sioux Indians, by the way. All the actors. Are they? Yeah. I yeah, did not realize Lakota that. Lakota Sioux of the Pine Ridge Reservation. Okay. Um, now he has... I'm not going to do a good job describing this movie, but he has a, a sister that has autism and his best friend is severely brain damaged from a rodeo competition a bull riding bull riding competition yeah. okay and his father is a dick and he's an alcoholic and and the father brother father brady and his sister are all real life family yep i did not know that they're the real life family yes mm-hmm. so all right without having to describe the plot because the plot to me isn't the most fascinating part of the movie it's the fact that these people aren't actors. Did you that work for you, them being non-actors? The first time it did. The second time on watching it, for whatever reason, I was a little more attuned to it. Mm-hmm. And not all of the scenes worked. Okay. I still think Brady does a pretty good job. I think that... So, it's tough because I don't want to criticize... like. It made me think of like, how did she ask them to be in this movie? How, what's that conversation like? I'm making I had that a movie. Same question. Yeah, I'm making a movie, and I want your family to be in it. And your dad is. Is, your, is your dad really an alcoholic? I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? I don't think he was an alcoholic. I think he had a gambling problem. I just think he was. He might have a little bit of booze problem. No, I think they all just had beers. Like, how do you? So the the um. The sister, who obviously was like, you know, autistic, like, how do they get her in it to do what she did? That was really impressive. She did great. Yeah, I loved her in it. And yeah. I had the same question. How is that directing experience go? Because I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. Because she's, she's singing songs. Yeah. She... She is saying lines. I mean, when the when when Brady had to put the horse down, she was like, he, he she said... He doesn't get to go on. Like it was a kind of a weird little line she had, right? And are those written, or is that how she thinks and how she speaks about stuff? And there's a lot of questions on that. But yeah, it, it's a really good performance from her. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I it's mean, just her. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I thought that. You know, it it also made me think of how do people act in real life in these situations, because when you watch a movie and crazy things happen because they're a movie mm-hmm. people are acting based on that and you would say oh that person's overacting or they're underacting well what if you put regular people in these situations that are kind of like a mundane things that actually happen and would you describe their performances overacting or underacting but they're not actors i thought the main kid was incredible he was Brady was, I thought. There was one one of his friends 
who I thought wasn't selling it. Was it the kid with the the beard that didn't? No, I thought he did fine. The broken it was, arm. It was the little, the younger guy that who he, he wrestled. He wrestled. Yeah. I disagree with you. He seemed to be like saying his lines in a very forced way. But like that was like the director. You could see behind the scenes saying like line. But who are we to judge? We're no one. I know. <laughs> We're no one. I thought that wrestling scene was the best the scene in the movie. The wrestling scene was great. I'm talking about the, the lines scene. that the kid delivered. He was in two different scenes, two or three different scenes. Yeah. I just thought that you can kind of, I related to someone being in that weird situation where an older person is like, I, I don't know, it didn't, it seemed like a plausible situation and I didn't really think of the acting. I agree. The situation was completely real. Friends who don't have much to do, sitting around, shooting the shit. Homoerotic, Guys that are drinking too much. Trying to get their frustrations out because they can't express their... They can't express their actual emotions, so they have to just wrestle each other. It's totally plausible. I'm just saying the kid's delivery of lines weren't up to par as the rest of the He was pulling his pants up most of the time. They were too baggy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was a little guy. Yeah. I, I... I, I don't think the movie, on the second rewatch, I didn't really enjoy the movie as much, but I kind of focused more on the performances and I appreciated them more. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, the novelty of the film kind of wore off. I thought it was extremely similar to Sound of Metal. Interesting. In terms of you have a main character who centers his life around one thing, and that's his whole life. Mm-hmm. And then a tragedy occurs where that is taken from him and he has to figure out where his life goes from here. And so Sound of Metal, it was, um, I can't remember his name in the movie. Riz. Let's go with Riz. Riz. He's a heavy metal drummer. Ruben. He, Ruben. He loses his hearing, so he has to reevaluate. Brady in this, he's, his whole life is riding horses and going to the rodeo and riding the, bon- the bronking bucks. Right. Bucking Bronx. There we go. <laughs> um, and then he gets a severe, a traumatic brain injury, and that's taken from him. He can't even ride horses anymore. And so now he has to reevaluate his life and figure out where he goes from here. Two very similar storylines. I never even compared it to Sound of Metal. I, I had neither, but very perceptive. That's because we're stupid. No. Um, I thought that the symbolism of him not being able to put the horse down with a gun was like, Way too... I was really upset with both of you for not giving me a trigger warning for that. <laughs> you need- Sorry, Emily. <laughs> but like, that was such a allegory for himself. Right. And they just spelled it out when right. he talked with his sister right after. But like, I was like, oh, this is allegory. And then he did, <laughs> he kind of describes it. And I was like, that's what makes this movie like enjoyable to me. But I, I don't know if this was top 10 at the time. I'd like to go back and think of uh, or see what the movies were in 2018. A lot of critics did love it. It's, you but know, like, where were we? Where the fuck? I'm sorry. Where were we? I was here. But, I but like, why, why wasn't this on our radar at all? It's, it was very indie. Me and you were, we, we call ourselves the indie boys. We try. Yeah. <laughs> we're not that good at it. Yeah. I, I recommend anyone watching this. I thought it was moving did you like it did you you cry at all i didn't cry but i also i sensed what was coming with the horse getting put down and i walked away for like five minutes and then came back i didn't cry at all scott did you 
I teared up a couple times. The uh, the last scene with Lane, I yeah. think. But they could have ended the movie with him walking up to his family after deciding not to ride. When he decided not to ride. Yeah. And I thought the Lane stuff was sweet and it was nice, but that could have been an ending to me as so far as I'm Lane concerned. Lane was his former best friend or one of his Still best, best friends. Still best friends. <laughs> True. All right. Um, but he's the one that got stomped by a bull and he is paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And so Brady goes to visit him in the rehab place where he just got moved. And he just tries to hang out with his friend and they watch old videos of them being successful together. Yeah. It's pretty sad. And I'm guessing that's really what happened to Lane in real life. I have to assume so. I yeah. couldn't find anything like readily available as far as that was concerned. But yeah, you're right. I would have yeah. to assume that that's it. Um, Which I is th- just so sad. Because it seems like that's just all of those guys' lives is waiting to get injured, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was kind of a disturbing to me when um, Brady was showing that other kid how to like ride and he was like you go back and forth oh, yeah and i was like dude like you're gonna get injured no matter what i, I don't know it just kind of once you have that sort of brain injury you can't jostle your head around that much yeah you just can't no i, I thought it was a pretty cool movie it was mm-hmm. i give it uh three bucking broncos out of five no it, it was a good flick i wish i had saw it when it came out because I, I don't, I'm surprised this flew under my radar. How did you think it compared to Nomadland? Hmm. You know, I kind of didn't really compare them until about, since we started talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the acting in this movie, because it was all non-actors, I thought was like a good gimmick. And upon the rewatch that I did, like Scott said, you kind of have your doubts about like their performances. I thought Brady's was really good, and I thought the dad's was really good, the father. Yeah. But, I mean... Some of the friend scenes are tough. They're, yeah. They're just struggling through at the fire, when mm-hmm. their first one where they're just shooting, hanging out at the fire, and they're all just waiting for their turn to tell their story. Right. Yeah. But, like, you think of, like, Nomadland where... We've we've all seen like the the shots of Frances looking off in the distance with her short haircut, and her face is so expressive. And you know what you know that this is a sad movie. Nomad, I'm sorry, uh, the rider. It's like if you had saw a shot of the main kid, you would you would kind of feel the same way. I mean, he had like a really bad haircut because of his brain injury. I don't know. You really do a lot of work. <laughs> Uh, figuring people out through the length of their hair. I, I definitely quality do. Of the cut. Well, I, I just, you know, I think this kid, the kid, the main guy was good, but I don't know if he could be in anything else. I don't know. No, he couldn't. This is this is his life. But he has been in other movies. Has he really? Yeah. He was in a movie called The Diver where he was trying to find <laughs> sunken treasure. Just kidding. I don't know. I don't... Look up the guy. The, I'm looking the him up right okay. now. Okay, <laughs> gonna look for the diver. No, <laughs> no, don't look for the diver. He's Just, only that's in the a Jesse Ball novel. That's a good one. Did you read it, Emily? Mm-mm. Think piece. If I can pitch anyone to read some uh, short stories that are kind of sad, Jesse Ball. Look him up, enjoy him. That's a fucking. I read the tough curfew. guy. That was good. I like the diver. Yeah, and Emily, what, which one? Did I you didn't read? like it. Curfew. The curfew. Did you look up the rider? Yeah, he's only in 
<laughs> he's not an actor. Well, then that's you know what more power to him. He knew he couldn't he couldn't do anything else. I thought he did a really good job though. His face was just so sad, and his haircut was so sad. So it's nice when you can be Chloe Zhao, go direct the rider, and then get Infinity War. A yeah, few years I later. know. Like you know what? Wild stuff or not Slate? Infinity War? Uh, what is it? It's uh, we we talked about it like every every episode. Marvel's The Eternals. The Eternals. So guess what, Slate guy? Although, if you want to really go all in, I just am seeing an article from last year. I don't know how true it is. Garrett Headland and the writer star Brady. Jandro okay. are set to star in an Iraq war drama from writer and director Paxton Winters called Outside the Wire. I like Garrett Hedlund. Interesting. Huh. Good luck to him. Cool. Um, I think we have to wrap this one up. We uh, did the best we could with what we were given. <laughs> that we chose ourselves. That we chose ourselves. <laughs> Listen to the Rollins. Watch the writer. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, I mean... Do we want to talk about our Pluto TV experience? Ugh. Ah, the commercials were just the same. That's what stunk about them so yeah. much. So First Pl- of all, there's no way to search for a movie. Pluto TV is an app that you can kind of get anywhere. And they have a bunch of... They have a lot of movies. They have a they lot do. of stuff. But there's no way to search for anything. <laughs> so you just have to scroll. You have to go into certain categories to go find what movie you want and just hope it's there. But mm-hmm. they're not alphabetical. No. Mm-hmm. They're not by... I mean, they might be by popularity. I have no idea. And they have like a TV channel that runs concurrently. So there's like a live, there's live stuff. There's <laughs> a bunch of channels. As soon as you open up the app, the whatever show, Everybody Hates Chris and uh, <laughs> Hot in Cleveland were the two that were playing when I, I opened the app. I had an episode of The Nanny. Okay. And so I made the mistake of watching an hour of The Rider one day, stopping because I can't sit still for that long, and then <laughs> was planning to come back to it the next day. And had to learn the hard way that you can't fast forward on Pluto. There's no fast forward. And they don't have a continue watching from where you left off feature. So Yeah. As an app, I have some questions. A lot of flaws. It's a good library. But, man, <laughs> why are you doing this to us? Right. And the commercials, like Pat said, are the same. Did you have the Taxman ones? No. I think I, those are targeted to Scott because I didn't have those either. Scott doesn't pay his taxes. That's no, why. mine was every commercial was every commercial break had like three straight commercials from like a TurboTax alternative. I didn't get those. And it's just this guy yelling at me to do my taxes. <laughs> it was awful. We never talk Super League. We don't need to. Okay. Um all right. I guess we'll wrap it up. We're gonna play uh another song. Take us out. Take us out. Hope you enjoy the show. We're going to be more active on social media, and we'll see you. We'll see you in about a, a week. Once upon a time in America. Close. What's the name of the movie? Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> and uh, Dennis Wilson, Pacific Ocean Blue. Goodbye. Au revoir.